0: Hi Explorers, I'm Adriana Scori. I'm Cindy Dowsett. And I'm Lauren Rodick eberly We are the mamas behind Kids Who Explore. Come along with us as we cover all corners of raising kids in the outdoors.
1: We are honored to share the mic with adventurers from all over the world. With winter season coming, we are so excited to have Elbow Mittens sponsoring today's episode. Are you worried about getting your little one outdoors in colder temperatures? Or wondering which mittens to buy for the ski hill? We at Kids Who Explore have had the pleasure of testing out elbow mittens on our own children, and they have worked out so well. Not only are they functional, warm, and keep your kids' hands dry, they actually stay on, which is a huge win for any parent. My kids have not complained once about their hands being cold when wearing these mittens. And because they extend all the way up around their elbows, their little wrists aren't exposed to the cold and we can play outside longer. Elbow Mittens is a family-owned business from Minnesota originating in 1991. The patented long gauntlet mitten was designed by a mother for trying to keep her children's wrists from getting cold and chapped in the long and cold Minnesota winters. Fast forward to today and they are loved by many families while they work hard to expand the outdoor community with good quality outdoor children's gear that actually works. Check out Elbow, spelled L-B-O-W, at www.elbow.com or their Instagram page at Elbow Gear to see why we are raving
0: about this brand. Brittany Williams is from Knoxville, Tennessee. She has worked in early childhood education for around 11 years. Children are a true passion of hers. Watching them grow, develop, and learn to process the world around them brings her pure joy. Thanks for joining
2: us today, Brittany. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me. Hi, you seem like an
0: outdoor lover. What are some of your favorite things to do outside?
2: Um, so, yeah, I definitely love getting outside. Um, and actually, just most recently, getting outside with my stepdaughter. Um, so she's been in my life for around seven years now, and um, just, I mean, she's always loved playing outside and everything, and my husband and I would go on hikes, and we would talk about it around her, and she was like, well, I kind of want to go with you guys, and we're like, well, yeah, of course you do. Let's do it, so getting out with her, and even if it's not like going on a big adventure or hike, just like getting out in the front yard or backyard and playing and riding bikes. We have a couple of cool, like pretty bike trails near us. So she loves to do that. So I think just getting out with my family. What amazing
1: memories you guys are
2: creating together. Can you
1: tell us about your interest with using nature as education and even with your your stepdaughter and parenting?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I work in early childhood education and, you know, it was not something that was super familiar with me, you know, 11 years ago when I started, you know, we were always kind of child led and, you know, let the children kind of guide our practice for sure. But, and we like did gardening with them, but I think in, you know, more recent years, getting outside has been a bigger interest in ours um, as educators and really seeing the benefits of even getting the infants outside. The true joy that brings to the children And to the educators, following the interests of the kiddos is, is just really awesome and really cool to see. And, you know, we'll have, you know, infants outside and, you know, they hear the sounds and, you know, they're very curious about the things that they hear and see around them. You know, they can't really move around quite well just yet, but just getting outside with them, it really has, you know, grown my viewpoints as, you know, an educator, but also like as a parent and seeing the value and the benefit of it, fairly recently, my my stepdaughter is it's interesting because she really likes to be adventurous, but then is so reserved in other aspects of life. So we have not a whole lot of trees in our front yard or backyard. And, but we do have one pretty big tree in our front yard. And she was like, I think I want to go climb that tree. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. You know, we're talking through it the whole time. And, you know, I'm helping her assess her risk. And, you know, she stepped on a branch and that branch was a little wobbly. And she was like, oh, I don't, I don't think I can step on that one. I I probably should go to this next one that looks a bit thicker. And I'm like, yeah, I think you should. So, but it's so hard to, to like help them assess their risk when, you know, probably a lot of times, you know, I'm screaming on in the inside and like, oh my gosh, what if she falls? And, you know, my own risk assessment is happening. And so it's, it can be a challenge for, you know, us as Adults, you know, in the education world, but then also like with our own children to help guide them with their risk assessment. So it's it's rewarding for so many reasons, but it's a challenge for sure. I
0: know we've talked about this a lot before with the whole "be careful" thing. You know, as adults, yes, yes, we, we see what's coming, so we just want to say, "Oh, be careful!" But to a kid, they don't understand what that means, right? So right. I love what you're saying, where you're pointing something out or saying, Oh, where's your next step? Where are you going to put your leg or saying, watch that branch there, those kind of things. It takes some practice, but I think once you start doing it, then you're like, Oh, I'm actually benefiting them more. And they are going to be more careful because they understand what to be careful about. Right.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. It's about them exploring it for themselves and you kind of being on the sidelines. And that definitely takes some practice and some skills to kind of, be quiet and, you know, reserved, but still be there obviously, and watching and, you know, helping guide if, you know, needed after she climbed the tree that one time she did it, you know, a couple of other times and my neighbors actually came out and they were like, kind of freaking out a little bit, but I was like, she's fine. She's got it. You know, I'm here. We're going to, you know, we're good. And then the next day or within the next couple of days, she was like, can I make a YouTube video and talk through how to be safe, climbing a tree to like other kids? And I'm like, heck yeah, absolutely. And so she made this YouTube video, it's like walking through her steps and, you know, when you see this branch and you're climbing and you step on it and it's wiggly, maybe you should step on you know, a different branch. So she has started to pick up on like her own risk assessment and how to navigate that for herself, which is so awesome and so cool. Um, She is 10, so she's, you know, a little bit older than some of the kiddos you know, at my school and stuff, but she's definitely shown great progress in just knowing what she is capable of and being willing to try new things and, you know, to use what she's learned about her own body and risk assessment in new ways. So it's really cool.
0: That's really amazing to hear all the thoughts that are going through her head at that time. Right. Yeah. What are some ways kids are learning through outdoor experiences, whether it's in a school environment or as a family?
2: Definitely. I would say they're all their senses. So when you are outside, you are really, getting all of your five senses met. So I mean honestly even with the younger ones, your sense of taste because a lot of times they are putting things in their mouth and you know they they are exploring through all of their senses, you know, sense of smell and sights and sounds. It's just really awesome. And when you know they're playing in mud and then you know going to the grass and feeling the different textures. So that is, um, one of the big things I think would be like the textures of outside. Um, so I'm not sure if you have very like w- intense winters where you live, but what are your thoughts on getting outside and still learning through nature in the cold temperatures? Yeah. So in East Tennessee, honestly, it's kind of, it's all over the place really. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say anything too intense, definitely not like you all, all for sure, but I am a very firm believer, um, in getting kids out in all types of weather. I think that children can still explore outside when it's, you know, 105 degrees outside. You come prepared. You, you know, provide shade. You provide the appropriate clothing. You provide water. And the same goes for getting outside in 30 or below degree weather or rain or snow or anything like that. You you just have to come prepared and be mindful of your children not exhibiting any symptoms of heat exhaustion or cold, you just have to be really prepared, I think, and I think that just because it's cold outside or it's raining outside or it's extremely hot and humid and muggy outside does not mean that you limit going outside with children. I have found that if you come prepared and you set up what you're willing to do with the children, with them, being engaged with them and not complaining yourself, oh my gosh, it's so hot outside, you know, this is uh, it's so hot. Your children feed off of that. And if you're just going to be outside to enjoy nature with them, that's what they're going to also do more than likely. And on that note, when they have had enough toddler tantrums,
1: It's a big topic and apparently something you have experience with. So, what are some ways you personally handle toddler tantrums in the outdoors?
2: Yes. So, thankfully and luckily, I guess my stepdaughter does not really do that a whole lot. So, but with children that I've worked with in the past, it's just a lot of they are over it for so many different reasons. And I think, again, if you are willing to set up your environment, and I don't mean like go outside and set up, you know, as your Environment, we're talking just like getting outside in nature. So, I mean, like setting up the environment as you come prepared again with all of the things that you might need. And that is going to be that you have to know your children. So, whether it's in a school context or your own children, you have to know their triggers and like what is going to go really well for them and what might not, but you're still going to do it anyway. So, you're just going to have to really know your children and kind of know you know, we're going to do this for five to 10 minutes and maybe they're going to freak out or, you know, I'm going to push nap time a little bit and maybe I might need to be prepared for them to be really cranky because they've missed their nap or they're hungry. So I think just talking with your children about, you know, setting up the expectations is also really key. So it's a tricky one for sure. (laughs) Definitely tricky, but I'm just big on like having the conversations with the children and naming how they're feeling. So if they're throwing a tantrum, you know, we use A lot of language like, oh, I see that you're really upset right now. Let's, you know, let's talk about why you're upset or if they fell outside, oh yeah, you tripped over that sick, you know, let's check your body and make sure that you're okay. So just really talking about it with them usually does help, but not always.
0: I really appreciate you saying that because I was talking the other day about going on hikes with my toddler, and there are sometimes going to be meltdowns, and not everyone on the trail enjoys that. But as long as you, as the parent or the caregiver or the teacher, can express those things and help work through it with them, then I think that's a really great thing. Can Absolutely. we go back and talk a bit more about the risky play you were talking about and how you determine how much risk kids should? take and what the
2: limits should be in the outdoors? Absolutely. So this is probably one of my biggest passions. So I think kids really kind of determine that for themselves, depending on kind of where they're at. And again, that's going to go back to knowing the child that you're working with or your own children really well. So knowing um, that if they're clumsy, you know, maybe you're not going to set them free, you know, into this big, great outdoor place and let them just go. Right. You're going to talk with your child about um, their body and, you know, how they need to kind of be a focused on, you know, their surroundings and hi, sweetie. Sorry. <laughs> hi. <laughs> And, you know, just, it's a lot of, again, talking, talking it through with your children, you know, naming it again, if they're, you know, tripping over a lot of rocks or sticks or, you know, something like that on your hiker, you know, while you're outside, you might need to help, you know, redirect them somewhere else. So I think it is mostly for the child to determine their own risk, but with the parent there or the educator there to help name the things that they're going through.
0: Okay. So what does a day look like in your life when you're unable to get outside? Maybe the weather is horrific or do you bring the outdoors inside or how do you do things?
2: Yeah. So I also am really into bringing the outdoors in like you named. So I think that Just because you're inside doesn't mean that you are playing with the cookie cutter toys that are provided at stores. And even if you are, that's what your choices are. Then I think it's a lot of guiding your child to think outside of the box a lot of times. But I'm pretty big into like free play and open ended play, even with materials inside. A lot of like planting and gardening can still happen or at least start in the indoors. So that's a great activity to do inside with your children. When I was a preschool teacher, We did a lot of like going around outside on the scavenger hunt, and then bringing those materials inside. And you can do a lot of different things with the things that they find. If you know, you can do like leaf rubbings. A lot of sorting activities can happen um, with materials that children find outside. So, I I do encourage families to not limit you know their indoor play with just the cookie cutter things that you can find from a store. That there are opportunities. probably in your own backyard or, you know, wherever to bring some physically bring some of the nature inside.
1: And how would you encourage
2: parents when
1: they're letting their children do this risky free led play to
2: not intervene? Absolutely. So again, be observant, be intentional and be in the moment with your child. I think that is going to really open up um, your own comfort level. That's probably where where it all is, right? So most children are going to explore on their own and want to get out there and explore the world. So as long as you are there with them, but not guiding them, they don't need you to be walking over them or like holding their hand at every step. So I think just being present in the moment and intentional with your child is key. And what
1: about for the parent Parents whose children are a little bit more nervous about trying those things how would you help those parents encourage their children to try this new riskier something that might be a little risky for their child
2: yeah so I think you can also be a good role model for your child as well so but it's also okay for a child to be you know nervous to try something new so I you know I would encourage families to do the activity with their child or help guide them through it you know if they are out on a hike or something and there's just like a you know a boulder or something that they to cross or a tree that they need to cross you know that might seem a little intimidating because the child is so small and the thing that they're trying to cross is so huge so you know, you can definitely guide, physically help guide. And also, you know, with your words, guide the child through any obstacles, but then also yourself showing them how you can do it yourself. And I think also not trying to force them to do something they don't want to do. So in my experience, you know, if a child doesn't want to climb up on the structure for whatever reason, then I don't think that we need to make them. It is their own you know, autonomy, their own body, and they should have a say in what they do with it. I would encourage families to not force it. And I know that that can be hard because you, you know, might probably want your child to be, you know, adventurous or just as adventurous as you are, but you have to be respectful. Um, They are different than you. They are different than the other children that they are with. And so I think, you know, some children, it just takes a little bit longer time and, you know, it might not ever happen. And that just has to be okay, which I know is going to be hard for some families.
1: Absolutely. I love that answer so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners today?
2: You know, I just want to encourage everyone to, again, be present in the moment with your children. I think that that that's going to speak volumes to them. Again, whether you are an educator or you have children at your own home, being present and intentional with your child can really go a long way.
0: I so appreciate everything you said. I I really love the bodily autonomy that you just talked about at the end there. And I just want to ask one more question about that. So let's say, for example, you're saying you're not going to push kids to do something they don't want to do which I think is fantastic is there a way that you can like you said lead by example still getting them out the door to do let's say a kid doesn't want to hike for example is there a way you can still get them to get out the door and enjoy it with you as much as possible and then hopefully because they're seeing it they'll be able to continue on is there a balance between that bodily autonomy
2: and then also showing them I definitely think so yes I think that a lot of it has to do with um you know, set as again, setting up the environment and the choices. So I do believe that children have the right to make choices for themselves. So if you're going on a hike, no matter what, so you can tell the child, we're going on a hike today. Would you like to go hiking by the river or do you want to go in the mountains to hike? So giving them that choice, you're still going on a hike. That is the plan for the day. So, but they can, if they can have some say in their experience, whether it's, you know, a hike, you know, in the mountains or a hike by the river, and maybe your hike by the river actually means that they're like more so swimming in the stream, you know, then they can have a say in what they are um, participating in. So I think that would be a good balance.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that made me just think of a scenario last winter with my brother's kids where the plan for the day was we're all going to go skating on that outdoor rink, but he had one kid that wanted the skates on one kid that wanted to go on the sled on the ice and one kid that didn't want the skates on, but would just walk on the ice with his shoes. <laughs> right. So like you said, you, you make the plan happen and then they can choose what they want to do with that. Absolutely.
2: And again, that takes, you know, some skillful parenting on your end and being okay with changes and not, I mean, as you guys know, like there is, rarely a time that you can have like set in stone plans and they're going to go perfectly like you thought out in your brain. That's probably not really going to happen. So being flexible um, with you know all children um is going to be key. And again, I think it is important to have them um, have some say in what they want to do, especially for the ones that are maybe a little bit more reserved. Um, you know, when I, when my husband and I went went hiking a lot. Um, we actually didn't really think my stepdaughter would want to do that. Honestly, she's, you know, wasn't super into like all of the nature things. She loves to swim. She loves to do bike, you know, bike riding and other things, but we never thought that she would want to go hiking until sh- she heard us talking about it and seeing our pictures. And she's like, well, i want to do that. And we were like, oh my gosh, okay, of course. Yeah, let's do that. And so we, you know, came up with a couple of different hikes, showed her pictures and let her help Pick the one that she wanted to do, the one that, you know, seemed the most interesting to her. And of course, it was the one that had like seven waterfalls along the way. And so, you know, obviously that is going to be easier with the older children to have them help pick certain things like that. But even the youngest of children can, you know, have some say in their experience as well.
0: Well, thank you. This has been so beneficial, I think, for parents learning how to incorporate nature, but then also for teachers to learn how to incorporate more nature into their teaching as well. So where can people find find you to follow along?
2: Okay. So I am on Instagram. So my handle is, um, at BB Williams 21. Um, and that is where you can find me on Instagram. Well,
0: I will link that up. We'll just end with a few questions. Okay. In the
1: last few months, what was your best purchase under $100?
2: So for speaking for educators here on this one, um, I am really interested in the work that Claire Warden does. So I would suggest everyone look up Claire Warden. She talks a lot about kids in nature, but she has a huge focus on floor books. So floor books are basically just a huge pad of paper and they make smaller ones where children can have say in their documentation work. So I think for educators, look into a floor book and what that means and how you can use it with your classroom because it's amazing and phenomenal and great um, to document your work with children. And then the idea of having a floor book is so that it's accessible to the children. So they could go look at their combined classroom work at any given moment and add things to it as they want to. Um, So that for educators, for sure. Um, For us as a family, so I would say okay, probably good clothing. (laughs) Um, So since my daughter wasn't we never really thought that she would be interested in um hiking but honestly i think when she saw our pictures she wanted the hiking boots she wanted the cool backpack and maybe that was like her leading choice of why she wanted to go um you know hiking with us so she gets some really cool gear so maybe some really cool gear for your kids <laughs> of course she's a 10 year old girl <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and i like the floor book idea too i might i might steal that i'm not an educator but as a parent with kids As a have parent. artwork all over my house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, definitely look into it. It's awesome. And I've seen four books used for lots of different, not necessarily even just like outdoor stuff, but just great documentation. And Claire Warden has amazing, amazing resources out there. So definitely look at that.
1: All right, thank you. Can you share a book, show, or podcast recommendation right now?
2: So I have a couple listed. So again, anything really Claire Warden. Learning with Nature um, is a book that she wrote. And then um, David Sobel is an author. He has several um, great books out as well. The one that <clears throat> really drew me in was Wild Play It's Parenting Adventures in the Great Outdoors. So I think those two would be really great. And then in addition to the two that I named, They both have other really great articles and books out for both educators and families as well.
1: Thank you. We'll be sure to link those in our show notes today so our listeners can see the names of those two authors. Yeah,
2: yeah, perfect. If there is no time or money limit,
1: where would you travel or explore?
2: Probably Paris. Um, My stepdaughter has it in her brain that she definitely wants to go there pretty soon, so And it's always been a dream of mine to go to, you know, European countries. So I think we would probably go there.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you
2: so much for coming on the podcast today and
1: teaching us all about education and
2: nature. Absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. This is wonderful. Thank you, Brittany. You're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for adventuring with us. Please subscribe and share your love
0: by reviewing our podcast with five stars and follow us over at Kids Who Explore on Instagram and all other social
2: media platforms.